Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode here of the Hens Half Court Podcast here with the Review Sports staff. Pat Laporte, Managing Sports Editor of the Review. Alongside me today is Connor Metz, a fellow senior sports reporter. Joe, not able to make it today. I had some family stuff come up, so hopefully he's okay, and he'll be back with us for sure next week to talk some basketball. But Connor, kind of like last weekend, a lot of a lot of Delaware basketball. You know, you got the, the football games going on today, so just how's it been I know you had your you were able to cover your first women's game in, in person, so kind of talk about that a little bit for me. Yeah, covering that game on Saturday in person was great. Great to see them live action. It's way different from just watching them or listening to them on the radio. So it's great to see them, see their bench, see how they operate. So that was a great experience. And then just all weekend listening to the games, watching the games. It was great to watch them. Um, great success for both teams, really. So Delaware basketball is going strong and it's good to watch them. And I hope to be at many more events. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing they, they, you know, they've, they've managed the, the program in general has managed just to have such a been able to get through a lot, really have no COVID issues throughout this conference play, which has been huge considering a lot of other programs have and a little bit different, you know, with no fans, but in time that will hopefully, you know, get back to normal and we'll be able to go to a full, full Bob Carpenter center one day, but that's another topic for another day. So anyway, so as Connor talked about big weekend for the women's and the men's team, the women storylines for them, they stay perfect in CAA play. Once again, they are currently eight and O in the conference go two and O on the weekend against the university of North Carolina, Wilmington or UNCW. And the men are able to pull out another one and one split. That is their third consecutive one and one split on the season right now. They had in their all three meetings have been able to split full meetings, at least have been able to split with their opponents. But Connor, I kind of want to start with the women's team. We're, we're probably going to keep it with we'll rock with, you know, team the team at home will get probably the most attention because we got a little bit more coverage from that. But to start off in game one on Saturday, the women defeat the Seahawks 73 to 66, a game that honestly was probably the closest Delaware has been in all year. I know we said that last week about Hofstra. Jasmine Dickey finishes with 23 points. And nine rebounds, tie battle, 13 points and 14 rebounds. That's another double-double for her. And then Jules Small is the big, big story of the weekend for Delaware. 16 points, three of nine from the field, or three-point line, excuse me, in game one. So, Connor, you were at the game, obviously. Talk about, you know, your initial thoughts to this to this game. You know, I know Coach Adair in her uh, post-game press conference talked a little bit about you know, she was kind of not impressed with her defense and her defensive play. So kind of what were you seeing, what were you feeling, and kind of just talk about that. Yeah, during the first half, they were worse struggling, to be quite honest, and they weren't shooting well, and they were really getting out-rebounded by a team they should have not been getting out-rebounded by. They're a bigger team, they're a better team, more athletic, but yeah, they were like down in rebounds after the first couple quarters. So that was like at halftime going in, I think they were up three. Their defense was okay, they just weren't playing their style of aggressive defense, but once they came out in the second half, it looked better. They gave up more points in the second half, but they also scored a ton more. They were shooting better, rebounding, and really what got them going was transition points. I know there were a couple runs where Dickey would get a couple easy layups because of transition. Or points off tur- turnovers were huge for them in the second half. So that was, I, as you said, I definitely think that, the, that was their toughest test this season. And they came out in the second half and they answered it because they played fast and they played well in the second half. Yeah. And you talk about the second half, especially that third quarter for the women's team was really what set them apart. And on top of that, in the third quarter, you know, they lost Jasmine Dickey for a little bit. She had a play where she kind of fell on her hip and it looked at first, it looks kind it looked kind of serious, 
but she was able to return for a little bit in game one and came back in game two. I thought, it, and this, this was mentioned on the broadcast a little bit because I was watching from home, you know, Scott Janice was like, I mean, this could be huge if, if this team, if, I mean, you could feel, he said, you kind of feel the, the air being taken out of the, out of the arena with the, the teams in it at least. And if you're Delaware, you're able to battle back and really able to save the game and really come out in the third quarter and play well. I mean, Jules Small is 16 points, three of nine from three. That's, that's all you, that's all you can ask for, for someone in Jules Smalls who's relatively new to the team. She played her first game against GW a couple of weeks ago. So, so good effort by them and really able to rally uh, the troops. I know Coach A, you were able to talk to Coach A Dare after the game. So here's a brief clip you know, of what she said and what she talked about to her team at halftime in game one on Saturday. But um, we just talked about where we were. And, and I really challenged and, and we talked about doing it on the defensive end. You know, I think sometimes we let the scoreboard dictate our energy and, and that's not how we play. Um, and so I challenged them to come out and, and really have a defensive focused second half. And, and you really saw them kind of respond to that in the third, for sure. So that was head coach Natasha Adair about the message to her team going into the second half. And really, that was one thing that I think we can switch over to game two. I, I, I thought I noticed was this team was really able to play a lot better defensively, really throughout the first three quarters of game two. They win 79 to 67 on Sunday afternoon. Jasmine Dickey, 26 points, 10 rebounds, tie battle, 10 rebounds. 10 points, another double-double. And as we talked about, Jules Smalls, another impressive night, 16 points, four of eight from three. So she's really, Jules Smalls at least, adding that kind of long-range three-point element to an offense that really doesn't take a lot of three-point shots to begin with. Coach Adair, she talked about this in her press conference today that, you know, she was impressed by her team's defense and their ability to, to control UNCW on the glass. I mean, you talked about in game one, UNCW had a 44 uh, rebounds compared to Delaware's 40, and usually Delaware is out-rebounding a lot of teams. So really able to play well defensively, 39 points through three quarters, a little bit. Delaware gave up some more points in the fourth, but at that point it was kind of out of reach for Delaware. So what were you seeing kind of in game two as well, Connor? Yeah, I thought game two was all around. They definitely played much better. The final scores are essentially the same, but I thought game two was much more positive. It became clearer that they were the better team. I mean, some series we see the losing team on Saturday come out Sunday and make the right adjustments. But this time it was Delaware who struggled a bit on Saturday, made the right adjustments, played better. 22 turnovers by the Seahawks. So the defense was definitely aggressive enough. And UNCW made quite a few mistakes over the course of the game. And then they just rebounded way better. 22 offensive rebounds. And then I'm looking at like the minutes played and it was the same on Saturday. They're rotating well. Tons of tons of players are getting over 10 minutes, so they really have a good rotation. But even when they rotate some starters out, there doesn't seem to be, be much lost. If they're like if there were plus minus stats, I don't think they would be too egregious. So that's really a, a great takeaway that I'm taking. As the season goes on, they become more and more balanced. And I really like the play as well of Jewel Smalls. I mean, I, I think, you know, Jasmine Dickey probably will get a lot of recognition again because she had another monster weekend, uh, 49 points in two games. But, you know, I, I, I think I can make the argument that Jewel Smalls, you could make a case for her being CA player of the week this week just by how consistent she was. And in game one, she came in and, you know, came in for Jasmine Dickey and made some shots down the stretch to really help the team. And then in game two, she just kind of came in and did that same thing. And really started off as the team's main, as a team, as one of the team's main scorers, and really picked it up throughout. So 
I, I, my main takeaway from today was just, and yesterday really was to play Jules Smalls. And I'm interested to see how she can play moving forward. I mean, they got Elon Northeastern and then probably right now, the biggest series is against Drexel in about two and a half, three weeks, where that's a team that's right behind them in the conference standings. And you're going to have to have all hands on deck. It's a home and home series. And I think Jules Smalls has been a key, key piece to this team down the stretch in these last two games. And even before that, in these last four games in general, she's been playing a little bit more. I, I look for Jules Smalls to have an increasing role in this offense, especially with her style of play, just being able to shoot the basketball and is something that really could help this team out. To kind of go off that, I want to ask you this, though. I mean, I, th- I, th- I look at the, the play of the, a lot of this team's transfers this year. I mean, you have obviously we've talked a little bit in the past about China Latimer and Ty Battle, Ty Battle being the big one. With Jewel Smalls now playing well, she's a transfer from uh, Western Carolina this year. Kind of, kind of talk about how what you've been seeing with these transfers and how they've really, you know, helped this team out in some of these games, whether it be tie battle on the boards or scoring. China Latimer has kind of an outside shot, and Jewel Smalls this weekend with her play. Yeah, I think as far as tie battle goes, she does make this offense roll in terms of second chance points. She's like a huge contributor to down there, and if if she wasn't on this team. You would still have O'Leary and Wade, but it would be a team that can't rebound as well as they do right now. So I think that's a huge piece for them. Um, I think that's the main reason that they've vaulted up from a mid-pack team to being a, a top team in the CAA. And then as for Smalls, I did not expect her to go off this weekend. I mean, it's not like she's playing like all 40 minutes. She's playing a good half of the game off the bench and she's still putting up 16 each day. And she has a good outside shot and like, for not being in this program very long, I, I think it's awesome what she's doing. I think she was a great player to add. She talked about it some in the um, press conference that she really never watched the Delaware games, but the vibe she got from the coaches was everything that she needed to come there. So I think a lot of the credit has to go to Coach Adair and the rest of the coaches for bringing in these three talented ladies because without them, this team would not be as deep and maybe not be at the record they are now. Yeah, and Jules Smalls, as we talked about, she has played about 21 minutes through nine games. I'm looking at the stats right now, trying to figure out the math, but she's played about 21 minutes uh, per game, as you talked about coming off the bench. And I think that's, you know, that's something that that maybe that this team, you know, I, I feel like the program itself is, I mean, a lot of it is kind of the success has come from the combination of you know, what they had last year. And in, in the press conference on Saturday, then I listened to it, they, they, Coach Adair talked a little bit about how, you know, she thought that the culture was built, you know, last year. They might not have won the most games last year, but she thought that the culture was built to for this team's success this year. And, I mean, she had uh, – Coach Adair had China Latimer. She had Ty Battle sitting on the bench last year and just waiting. And they were practicing, but they were never playing. And now – they, both of them have gotten their opportunities and tie battle is probably one of the best stretch fours in the, in the CAA by far, I would say, I mean, her, she can score the basketball and she can play on the boards in averaging a double double now and has been putting up constant double doubles. I, I just look at this team and I look at, I look at the combination of what they've had and what they've added with transfers. And I think that's where a lot of their successes come from as well. You know, that combination of culture, what they've built, and what they've added. And it's interesting to see, will teams start to maybe, you know, come to Delaware? People will start looking to transfer from other schools to go to Delaware. Just because if you can keep success, you are more likely to bring, 
you know, interest other people. And if a person's not, if a player's not getting a lot of playing time in a bigger school, they might come to a mid-major and try and work it out. And that's something, and if you're Delaware, you like, you want to happen and you, you really, you really need to have success. So that'll be interesting to look forward to just moving forward uh, in the future, really. But, but the last thing I want to talk about uh, on the women's side, before we get into the men, I don't know if you've noticed this, Connor, but the team's energy and their chem, I mean, their chemistry we, 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 we're looking on the outside and we've, we have been able to talk to coach Adair and some of the players and they, they talk about their chemistry and how it's, it's just a family. I, I coach Adair talked about that today, actually, that it's just a f- one big family, but they talked about the team energy and well, as well. And I've noticed how it seems like after every play, whether it be good, whether it be bad, the bench is just clapping, talking, and just, you know, really, really encouraging each other. So kind of talk about what you kind of see, at least from the outside looking in, in terms of that. Yeah, being at the game on Saturday showed me that, like, no matter who's on the bench, they're always cheering for their teammates. And it was a – Coach Adair is always focused into the game. She's energetic. So I think, like, the chemistry on and off the court is the thing that gets the team rolling. When I watch them, like, on the court, it doesn't really matter which five are in there. They have a good chemistry. They have good spacing usually. They have – like, they know where to be. They know tendencies. Even with someone like Jewel Smalls, they know can, she can knock down three, so they get it out to her on the wing when she's open, and she's new. So I think that's something, like, really impressive for this team, especially it's like a team where you have some freshmen playing a lot of minutes, some seniors, some juniors, some transfers, so it's a bunch of everything. It's not like five seniors starting. So I think the on-court chemistry is really impressive, probably as impressive as the off-court chemistry, which is kind of hard to see from the outside right now, but Coach Adair talks about it all the time, and, like, you have to believe her. You watch the team on the bench. They're always engaged. I know you mentioned when um, Jasmine Dickey hit the floor, they were definitely like, you could feel the tension from the sideline. And so I, I think this team's chemistry is great. I think they have like, it makes it way more fun for them to play if they're one big family, like you said. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that, that I think in all sports you kind of look at. I mean, I, played high school baseball for a couple of years and I've played some other sports and it always seemed like the teams I played on, you know, have chemistry and have that ability to, to bond together, really play well. I mean, it's something that you, you really, you really can find it in any sport. And I look at this team and you see a lot of it just on the, on the sidelines, on the bench. I know when kind of towards the end of the game today, they were really seemed like the bench was just hyping each other up and really getting involved for some of the younger players, getting minutes and getting opportunities. And that's all you can ask for, because I mean, you never know when you're going to need someone to step up later on uh, in the season, as we saw this weekend with Jill Smalls, when Jasmine Dickey went down or whoever it might be, if you need Agnes Paul to get you minutes, just to name one, one, one player, I, I think it's, it's crucial to have that sort of chemistry just as a whole for any team. And this team seems to definitely have it. And it's, it'll be interesting to see going forward, how they play, you know, with this, this, this tough script, this, the second half coming up and a tougher stretch of teams in terms of Drexel, James Madison and Towson looking, you know, towards the end of the schedule coming up. So, but really I'm going to transition over to the men. Now Uh, the men were down in Wilmington this weekend. Uh, They finish up as we talked about another one and one split. Game one is a little, little dicey. They, they fall to UNCW 77 to 70. Uh, the one good thing about uh, game one, at least, was Kevin Anderson and Alex Novakovic were back. They'd been out with injuries for at least a couple, for about two, two and a half weeks. 
Kevin Anderson was battling an ankle and Alex Novakovic was battling a foot injury. Anderson got a lot of playing time. He actually played 29 minutes in game one, shot three of 13 from the field, nine points. Not the, not the greatest performance, but also coming off of an injury, you kind of, I would expect he would have been, it's not shocking that he played a lot just because they, they needed the bodies and he is their starting point guard. But the main story for Delaware, at least, was Dylan Painter had another really impressive showing. 23 points, 19 rebounds, Ryan Allen, 14 points, Johnny McCoy, 11 points, and Ebi Asamoah, 10 points. But Delaware really shot themselves in the foot from beyond the three-point arc, shot 23.5% from three. UNCW shot 33%. That was kind of the big difference because this game was kind of back and forth throughout. And in terms of UNCW, Jalen Sims puts up 22 points, and Mike Okaru puts up 20 for the Seahawks. So I know I just mentioned the three-point shooting, but what were you seeing in terms of, you know, Delaware's really what seemed to be a, a very close match, a very close game back and forth? What were you kind of looking at there? And what was what, what were your takeaways from that? Yeah, I didn't get to see this game or listen to it, but just looking at the box score, how it played out, played by play, the turnovers killed them. And I feel like every week we talk about this team cannot handle their turnovers, especially their turnover ratio compared to their opponent. And they had 17 turnovers, and they only forced five from UNCW. So, like, you can't win like that. And this was one of their better offensive performances. They shot well, got to the free throw line. But, like, the 17 turnovers just kill you because you lose so many possessions. I mean, here we have UNCW had four more shots in them. So that's not too big of a difference. They had two more free throws, but they just had more possessions to get down there. The rebounding, like, they out-rebounded UNCW easily handily but because you're giving up so many possessions they're gonna have they win by seven because they have more possessions so that was that was a big takeaway for this one also kind of applies to the second one but yeah the first game that they just have to like seven turnovers by ryan allen he has to he has to take care of the ball better because if he's going to be the main guard on this offense that that cannot happen on a consistent basis and right now, Delaware is averaging 15 turnovers a game. That leads the CAA right now. These are updated stats from this weekend, but that's not going to get it done. And I, I agree with you that this has been a, a long-standing theme with this team, what really feels all year, just from the beginning of the season. You think maybe they'll get it going one one game? I thought last week against Hofstra they might you know, have that breakout, breakout kind of game, but then in game two they had 13 turnovers in the first half and really, really just kind of gave the game away early. I just look at this team at least, and I know they come back and we can get into game two in a second, but I just, I'm starting to feel like this team is just kind of, you know, they're, they're about 500 in the conference. And I feel like that's kind of just where they're at. And I don't think they're really going to, this is kind of just how they're going to be at least in conference play. And I know you can get in the tournament and anything happens, but I, I look at, I look at the team and I think, you know, this is, they, they probably might split every series going one and one. And that's probably the best thing you're going to get because the, the amount of turnovers you have and just some of the lackluster shooting throughout has just not, not helped this team at all. I mean, they still, they shoot a lot of three point shots. Still, they are attempting about, they're actually mid, they're about middle of the pack in the CA 253 attempts. They're making 31% of their shots, which is about middle of the pack as well. Fifth. So they're not as bad as a three point shooting team as I feel, but it feels like they just, it feels like just they shoot the ball, they shoot from range too much at times, and it's just kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't help them. At times, they can get better shots in the shot clock and really try and work the offense well. But I just feel like this team's kind of just, I don't want to say average, but I just feel like that's kind of where they're at right now. 
um, in terms of, of that. But that's my reaction, at least from game one. And that was my reaction on Saturday. And they turn around on Sunday and deliver a, a very impressive performance, at least in the second half. Ryan Allen puts up 25 points. And the big storyline is Delaware overcomes an 11-point second half deficit. They shot 52% from the field compared to UNCW's 34.5%. Kevin Anderson got a lot more minutes as well today. 38 minutes, still nine points. But I would expect once he gets rolling into the lineup, that should that should help out this offense. But Dylan Painter as well, 15 and 15 in points and rebounds. You know, this was I, – I thought that coming into this game that this – that if they lost this game, they might be in trouble longer term. As I talked about, I thought on Saturday my reaction was this team's kind of average. And I'm not going to say that this changes my mind Sunday's performance, but it still gives you a little bit of hope that, you know, they can get production out of Ryan Allen. They can get a double-double out of Dylan Painter, who we will get into in a little bit about how he's been playing as of late because he's been playing great. So what were your thoughts from today in terms of game two and how they played? Yeah, I thought today overall, obviously better because they won. Um, the, they started off and they were getting out-rebounded. They were turning the ball over. And this is a UNCW team that really doesn't have a forward or a center. Like, they're a small team. So that was a cause for concern. But I think it, it was just game flow, I think. So they came back. They they were on the boards better. They they still had 18 turnovers. So like, that, that's, that's not good, especially when they're shooting so much better than UNCW and they only win by five. That's a rough one to swallow. But in terms of the end game, I thought they, they finished out well. Ryan Allen hit a, a clutch and one. He didn't convert the and one, but he he hit a clutch jumper. So I, I think that was a big for him. He had a great game, 25 points. So I think him and Painter really got going second half. So I think that was the key to the game. Again, it's like the offense is like sputtering. It's like one day you'll either take care of the ball well and shoot bad. Next day you'll shoot well, but not take care of the ball. So I feel like it's just an, it's an average offense and maybe a bit above average defense. So I, I guess the takeaway for this weekend, it's, it's the same old team, but the good thing is they have Anderson Novakovic back. So some added depth depth there and hopefully Allen can get going again like he did Sunday. And I know we we just talked about a little bit how we think this team might be a little just average, but I want to ask you this and this is kind of the first thing I thought and I'll read what coach Inglesby had to say after the game what he told bluehens.com. He said end quote, "I'm really proud of our group and especially proud of Ryan Allen. We put on a lot of his, we put on a lot on his shoulders and got the ball in his hands and he stepped up and made some tough shots." We dug in defensively during the last couple of minutes against a good offensive team. This is a heck of a win and gives us some confidence heading home. So do you think that this could, that a comeback, I mean, an 11 point comeback, that's, that is impressive. And that definitely does build some confidence. You would think, you know, you have Elon coming in next week. Do you think that this could jumpstart with a, a struggling Elon team coming in next week? Do you think that a comeback win like we saw today could really kind of help jumpstart this team. And maybe we would get, see them get out of this kind of this offensive, I don't even want to call it a offensive slump. This just really get out of this kind of inconsistent play that we've been seeing throughout the beginning of the first half of conference play. Yeah. I think the comeback could be like the turning point of the season. Cause like, like you said, if they, if they drop Sunday's game, I feel like they're in deep trouble, even just in a mental state dropping two to, a UNCW team that should be in the same range as you in the CA ranks. I mean, during the second half when they were down 11, Allen really shot well. They got inside the painter, great moves down there. So I feel like 
especially if Ryan Allen just can get his confidence confidence going, get him playing like the first team player he is. Because quite frankly, he hasn't been playing like the first team player he is. So I think that could get him going. And then another week for Anderson to get back, get back healthy. If this was, if there was ever a time for them to come back and prove that they're not just an average CAA team, I think this weekend's a week to do it because of their comeback on Sunday, the momentum should be on their side. So, and like you said, Elon is a team that is not looking great so far and hasn't played many games. So I think this is a weekend to do it. There's no more time for waiting. You got most of your players back. I, I think it's a go time now. Yeah, I think this is this upcoming series with Elon. I don't want to give away my my prediction, but I think this is a must win series. You, I think they need to sweep Elon. They, I think they, if they want to have, we, I know we've talked in the past weeks how we think right now you just got to sit at five and six and try and just hold on so you get into the tournament and get that first round by as a five or a six seed, kind of you know, and just kind of hang in towards the the middle of the pack. I think that if you if you want to try and maybe get your hopes up going forward. You have to sleep Elon because I'm going to pull up the men's schedule right now. Actually, they got Elon at home this weekend. And then you have, it is Northeastern who is one of the better teams in the conference as a whole right now in men's basketball. They are currently leading the conference. They are seven and one in the conference. Northeastern is eight and six in overall, but that really doesn't matter that much. The big numbers, they're seven and one in conference play Northeastern. So, I mean, after Elon, you have the best team right now in the CAA by far. They've won seven games, I, I think. And then after that, you have Drexel, who's another team who's hasn't played as well as we thought they would. I mean, they're two and three right now in the conference. Delaware just ahead of them in three and four. So you got Northeastern, one of the better teams in the conference after Elon. And then you have a team who's probably at least record wise right now about the same as you you got to go into Elon and sweep because if you don't, then you're really, you're really putting yourself in this spot where you can't try and, you know, move up the ladder a little bit. And you really, because if you lose even one to Elon, then you have to arguably, you have to sweep Northeastern. And I, I'll say it now. I don't think that will happen just because Northeastern has been playing so well, but it will be interesting to see just how this team can respond and if they can, if they can limit, as you talked about, limit the turnovers and really just play a full series of just what seems to be good, consistent basketball, because they haven't been able to do that yet all year. You know, well, I also had this one question. This is unrelated to, to the team's whole play, but you know, right now, Dylan Painter, as we talked about, has been playing excellent. He had a great, another great weekend, 23 points, uh, 15 points on Sunday, 23 on Saturday. I had a good series against Hofstra last weekend. I'll ask you this. Do you think, you know, we thought I thought coming in that probably the the most prolific player on the team would probably have been Ryan Allen. Uh, he was the team scorer. He was a guy who didn't get the ball as much maybe last year just because of Nate Darling, but a guy who I thought that would come in and really play play lights out and be that team scorer. But at times he's been able to do that, and at times he hasn't. So I ask you this: Do you think Dylan Painter is the team's best player right now? Yes, I would say so. Um, I think like every game he comes in and you're going to get points in the paint with him. He, he hasn't missed any games offensively. So I do think he's the best player. Not that Allen is not a great player for this team. He just hasn't been consistent this year, partly due to injury, partly due to just shooting woes. But um, I don't think there's really any discussion at this moment that it can't be Painter. I think it has to be Painter. He is his team's inside presence. He is his team's rock when they need points. 
send it to him. Um, unless he's doubled, I mean, he, he, he will most likely get a good shot off and get to the free throw line. So I, I would say he's the team's best player, and I think it's like a welcome surprise this season that I'm, we probably didn't expect. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I thought, I mean, coming in, I figured that Dylan Payne would be a big part of this team. I, I, I mean, it was clear to say, I mean, you lost Justin Mutz at the four. You didn't really know what you had. You had Alex Novakovic coming back and you have obviously Andrew Carr as a freshman. You didn't really know what you had in him at the time. And I think you have a player in Andrew Carr, but I, I felt like, you know, an inside presence would have to be Dylan Painter because that's your one proven guy on the team. And I think he is, he's lived up to that. And especially in these last, this last like really this whole conference series once they've you know they've had these injury problems basically since Charleston and he's really in a lot of games played well and he's been the reason why their offense has gotten flying I mean we saw last week against in their win against Hofstra that he played I mean he was just dominating down low and it really I thought it opened up the whole offense and I, I mean I have noticed that teams adjust to that in a lot in the second games but you know to to go f- average 15 or to have 15 points and 15 rebounds in a game and 23 points and 19 rebounds in a game on back-to-back days. That's impressive nonetheless. And, you know, going forward, I know coach Inglesby has talked about this, that they just want to keep feeding him, give him the rock, give him the ball and let him score because you need to find anyone to, to, to win you games right now. And he's been the go-to guy. So I think right now, yeah, he is probably the team's best player. And I think, you know, bringing back Kevin Anderson and getting that backcourt of Anderson and Allen together, I, I think that could help open up the offense even more. I mean, John Marco Arletti played decent throughout his time as a starter. I don't foresee him, you know, coming back into a starting rotation, but he'll be definitely in the mix in terms of playing. But having Anderson and Allen back will really, I, I would hope, kind of even o- open up the offense even more. You can kick it down low to Painter if you get Painter going and you get the outside shot of Allen and Anderson. And, you know, that's what you want to see for a team that, as we talked about, kind of been struggling offensively as a whole. So, but with that, we'll get into Elon now. I know we talked a lot about Elon's men's team already. As we talked about, Elon is 3-3 three and three right now in con- or overall, 0-2 in conference play. They've only played six games due to some COVID issues, as we've seen a lot with a lot of teams in the conference. This team really, not the most effective offensive team. They score the second least points in the conference, averaging 66 a game. They have the second worst field goal percentage at 41.5% the third worst three-point percentage at 30.4%. And they are worst uh, the worst team uh, rebounding-wise in the CA, grabbing only 32 boards a game. Uh, their leading scorer is Hunter McIntosh with 17 points a game. And their second leading scorer is Gerald Gillens Butler with just averaging under 16 points. So they do have some scores on the on the offensive end, even though they don't have the most effective offense statistically, at least in the CAA, but they are a decent defensive team. They allow 66 points per game, which is second best in the CAA. And they also only allow 30, about 30 rebounds a game, which is also second best. And they force about 13 turnovers a game, which is top five in the CAA. You know, Connor, Talk about what you would say that your keys for this weekend are and what, give me your prediction. But I, I first want to hear kind of your keys for going into this series against Elon. I think I probably would have three keys. First, play consistently. You can't have inconsistent play over the, over the two, two game stretch. If it's close, that's fine, but there needs to be some consistency. I'm, I think maybe their UD is a bit underrated defensively. I think they've played decent so far, but offensively consistency. Second, I would say, they need to hit the boards because that's going to be their advantage in this game. I don't think Elon's been great at rebounding. Now they haven't 
their stats are skewed because of their games and stuff, but hit the boards, use that to your advantage because that is your biggest advantage in this game. And then third, they need to limit turnovers. That That's not really something that's team dependent on the opponent side. That They need to take care of that themselves because just looking at the box scores every week, it's like four players have three turnovers. Someone has six, someone has four, someone has five. Like it's just not, it's not good. And it's happening in every single game. So those would be my three keys. And then as for my prediction, I'm kind of back and forth, but I don't think Elon's that good. I, they really haven't beaten anyone of note. So I'm going to give them in a two O sweep. So hopefully that does come to fruition, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by a split because it seems like the kind of team they've been this year, but I'm going to give them a 2-0 sweep and hope they sweep them. Yeah, I'm torn on my prediction as well. I mean, I talked about earlier how I'm just, you know, this is a huge series for this team. And, you know, we talk about being huge. I think maybe you you look at it as, I don't want to say as a a conference tourney tune-up kind of because it's not that kind of vibe in terms of the team they're playing. But, you know, if you want to, if you want to compete in this conference, you need to win, you need to win the games that you can win and you need to, you need to win, you need to win handily, maybe not handily, but you need to have just play well and play consistent. And we talked about that today that they just haven't really been able to do that. And I think, you know, we'll start with, I want to see them move the ball around a lot. I think you get Kevin Anderson back can really facilitate your offense. You can get it, as we talked about, you can feed it down low to Dylan Painter. you got Andrew Carr, who's been playing decently well over these last couple games, and he's really kind of proven himself to be a guy that's really going to be a piece for this team in the future. I, I really want to see this team try and facilitate the offense, pass the ball around, get a lot, get some high assist numbers, whether it be out of Anderson, maybe even if get it out of Ryan Allen. I mean, we've, we've seen some games where he might not put up the most points, but he's, you know, had five, six assists and they win the game because of it. And, you know, that's kind of what you need, what you can use if you're not, if you're not shooting the best, as we've seen with Allen, he's had some struggles uh, in some games, but you know, if he can really facilitate the ball and I I think, I think just, I want to see the offense flow. Well, I want to see it just, I, I think that's my key is just to move the ball around, get it, get different people to rock, get the ball in different people's hands and get good shots. And if you can get good shots, I think you can win. I think you can, you can take both games. So, so with that in mind, I'll say two and oh, I, I, I agree that I could see this being an easily one and one split. I don't see them getting swept. I, I, I think if they, you get, if they get swept by Elon, I don't want to say the season's over, but it's, it's, it, it gets a lot harder and that would definitely take a lot of air out of your team. So I'm going to go with two and oh, I'm confident in, in the squad they have and the guys they have returning. You even get Alex Novakovic getting back some more minutes. So so it'll be interesting to see on that end. Um, in terms of Elon on the women's side, they're six and four overall, two and two in conference play. They're about middle of the pack offensive team, uh, averaging 64 points a game, which is fifth best in the CAA, just over 39% from the field, which is fifth best, a little bit lower in three-point land, uh, 27, just under 28%, uh, which is seventh in the CAA. They do have four players averaging nine points per game. They don't have anyone in double digits, but the four players are Sadia Mumford, Bree Perpignan. I might have butchered that. Uh, Kayla Lyles and Ivana McGill. This team defensively is a decent team. I will say that. They are third best in allowing points. They allow 62 points per game. They give up a field goal percentage of thirty-nine and a half, about 39.5%, which is middle of the pack. 
they are a bottom three in three point percentage. Uh, they give up a three point percentage of 35% to opposing teams, which is third worst in the CAA. And they're also towards the bottom half in rebounding with about 35 rebounds a game. Delaware averages just around 46 a game. So I know in the past, I know Joe went on last week and talked about how he's saying he's going 2-0 and for this team until they change his mind, until they lose one. I'll just ask you straight up, Connor, are you 2-0? Right, and Is that your prediction? That is, but I was thinking about this. I feel like it could be a trap weekend. I mean, looking at their schedule, they played NC State, who's ranked second nationally, so that's going to skew their stats down, definitely. And then when they got the conference, they split with JMU and Drexel, like the two teams we're talking about at the top with Delaware. So I'm going to stick with the 2-0 and because I do think this team is better, and I think they'll pull both out. But, like, this is a trap weekend for sure, and this Elon team has proven they can limit JMU and Drexel, two good teams. I mean, their last two Drexel games, they held Drexel to under 60 points in both games. So, I mean, I haven't seen them play, but – It'll be interesting because I don't think this will be a blow-by weekend, and I would not be surprised to see them split. And if they do split, I'm not going to look too much into it. But I, I do think this is a weekend that they have to stay focused, especially you could be looking forward to bigger teams in the future with JMU and Drexel. So I feel like this is the one series before where they could get tripped up a little. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I look at Elon, and they might not have their – the best, you know, a top three offense in the CAA, but they'll, they'll score points. They'll put up 64 points per game. And, you know, even, you know, Delaware's going on the road and we've seen them at times a little bit, you know, in their second game against Northeastern, they, they had a, a little bit of a, they struggled a little bit, even against Hofstra at times, they had some issues and the games were close. So I'm not, I, I'm not going to say either that, you know, this is going to be a, a breeze through by the women's program. I do think that for now, this will be a two and sweep for me. I'm sticking with it. Joe said, I, I, I like, I, I just like the matchups that they have. And the one matchup that I really want to see is could Delaware, you know, could they shoot more three pointers? Could they, you know, look at how this team uh, defends against the three point shot and how Jules Small has played last weekend. And, you know, I've even noticed, it seems like Jasmine Dickey's not afraid to take some three pointers. Now Paris McBride obviously can shoot when you need her to China Latimer is another one who's a good outside shooter, a decent outside shooter for this team. So I really want to see, in terms of my keys, I guess you could say I would love to see them shoot a little bit more from the outside. And if you can get that going, uh, that will really help you out. Because like you said, this team is one of the better teams in the CA defensively. And, you know, I, I will say, though, they Delaware, that was the same storyline, at least with William and Mary. William and Mary was at, was I mean, it was earlier in the conference and William and Mary hadn't played as many conference games in general. But they they were one of the better defensive teams and Delaware came out. And they really handled their business in both games and didn't really allow William and Mary's defense to really screw them up or mess them up on the offensive end. So I'm looking at a 2-0 and sweep right now for Delaware. I think even though you have, as you talked about with JMU and Drexel coming up in the next few weeks, I just like this team's poise. I like how, you know, this team is coached and I think they're coached really well. They coach, they're coached, you know, one game at a time. That's all you can do is you just take it one game at a time. And that's what, something you need to do especially in how these, these, this, this conference is formatted, at least schedule wise this year. So I'll take Delaware, Delaware in their two and O sweep. I, I like their coaching staff with coach Adair and how they're coached. And I like how they've been playing as of late. And I think, you know, this team, this team's still the best team in the conference by far. And we'll see that again, hopefully on, hopefully on Saturday and Sunday. But with that in mind, that is really all 
we got for this episode of the Hens Half Court podcast. You can find us as usual on multiple streaming sites, including Spotify and Google Podcast. I'm working right now on trying to get us up in the Apple Podcast, having some difficulties with that. But when we get that up, we'll definitely let you know. To get updates for the podcast, as well as finding, uh, if you can't find uh, podcast episodes or don't have Spotify or Google Podcasts or any of the other uh, streaming uh, services, you can find all these episodes of our podcasts on uh, the Reviews website, which is udreview.com. That's one word. And you can also find uh, our podcasts on the, the links to our podcast on the uh, UD Reviews Twitter, which is at UD Review. That is also uh, one word. But for that, that's that's all we got for today. I appreciate you all listening. For myself, Connor, and when Joe comes back next week, we'll look forward to talk more Delaware men's and women's basketball. And uh, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the week. <laughs>